Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Indie Comic Spotlight, the show where we do a deep dive into ongoing series or graphic novel from a company other than the big two. And today, second week in a row, back to Boom Studios. Now, last week, super light, fun, joyful. Love that book. Love, love, love everything about heavy vinyl. Fantastic. What a book. Boom Studios. This book, though, the other end of the joy spectrum, but equally fascinating and bold and interesting and what I love about Boom Studios. Now, you know, when I started Indie Comic Spotlight years and years ago, February of 2020, everybody, it's now July of 2023, and I'm still here doing it. It's amazing. I've never missed a week. Um... Of doing a show. I've not done an indie comic spotlight every week, but I've done something. You've heard my voice, whether you wanted to or not, on the airwaves of Comics in Motion every week since February of 2020. Crazy how time flies. I've got other shows, right? I've done the music show with Max and Dave. I do the uh, season's greetings with Jack. Sometimes I like put something else in there with me doing some other ADHD cast from talking about books or whatever. But here I am back digging deep into the indie comics, the things I love, giving Boom Studios a big hug because they do some amazing, bold shit. And I love them for it. I'm sure they've been leaning heavy into the, you know, um, IP stuff and I get it. Like, I get doing that. And this is one of those. This is one of those existing IPs where they're like, hey, let's try something different and see what we can do. And I know out there in the universe, there have been other comics that are in this universe that we're talking about. You've already read it, so you know what I'm doing. I don't want to be super cagey about it. Um, that are, you know, kind of more in the movie universe. They're in the Blade Runner universe and not in the Philip K. Dick Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep universe. This is an existing IP. But it isn't, but it is, but it isn't. And so I was inspired to reread this because my good friends, Scott and Julian, over at the uh, Stories of a Time and Space podcast, just recently did Blade Runner 2049. And then I was talking to Scott on, um, we had just done more me on Comics on Trial, me and Scott and and Mike. Boy, me monster. Boy, I'm going to quit talking about me. But of course, when I'm just here talking about myself, talking to myself, I have no choice but to talk about me. So anyway, me, 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 I'm a me monster. Anyway, so all of this to say, as I was like inspired to reread this, and I've read this before, I've read the book several times, but Boom Studios put out um, in, in collaboration with Electric Sheep Productions, they put out in 2015, the omnibus of the ongoing 20, so the years previous, I think it was like 2013 to 2014, they put out um, Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep as individual comic books, 24 comics. And then the Omnibus came out in 2015. And that's actually when I read it for the first time was 2015 or 16 when that Omnibus came out. And that thing is like a brick. It was at the library. And I was like, what is that? You know, you see it in there on the, you know, the comics section in your library, if you're like me. And you go to the graphic novel section in your library. You're like, what the hell is that? Boom, it was this beautiful book. It was a monster. Um, I picked it up and it was a tome. I was like, wow, this is really good. So I read it and it was really good. And, um, but I was recently 
uh, wanted to reread it. And, you know, as you do sometimes, sometimes you just want to read things once and that's good. And it just sits with you and it's joyful. Or you want to watch a movie once and you never watch it again. Not because you dislike it, because it's fine. It's a three, right? Three out of five on Goodreads, three out of five on Letterboxd. It's fine. It's not something you need to revisit. You enjoyed it. It brought you some joy. You moved on. Okay. And sometimes something is a challenging read. It's heavy. It's dense. And that, those also, sometimes you're like, ugh, I don't even want to go back. I just recently read, um, for the first time, Crime and Punishment. Not sure if I'd ever go back to Crime and Punishment. I'm not sure. Um, the Russians are hard to reread. Now, um, I'm glad I read it. And uh, when I say the Russians, I mean like the classic Russians, you know, Dostoevsky, Tolstoy, Chekhov. Although Chekhov, to be fair, in my opinion, highly rereadable. So... I don't know. I guess we all have our favorites, right? But I read Crime and Punishment, and uh, man, glad I did. Another tome. I've been reading these tomes lately. Tome. And, um, but, so I don't know what it was. It was a combination of all these things. The, there was just in my head. I was like, man, I should go back and check that out and see if it was if it was as good as I remember. So what Boom Studios did with this existing IP, um, you know, like they're doing, like they're bringing back the Buffyverse and all that stuff. But this... They took the actual novel, the Philip K. Dick novel, Do Andrews Dream of Electric Sheep, and they turned it into a comic book. Now, when you think normally, um, which they did not that long ago with um, Slaughterhouse-Five, which was magnificent. It was a magnificent adaptation, but they, they massaged it a little bit there because Vonnegut's writing style is what it is. And so it wasn't the entire novel. I mean, it, they didn't cut anything. There wasn't like a film adaptation where you're going to cut some things. It wasn't like that, but it was like not everything was word for word. But in this, what they did for this adaptation was they took the entire book and they put it on the page and then they had somebody draw it. They had um, uh, Tony Parker draw it and then Blonde did the colors and um, Richard Stockings did, Stockings did the letters. Really good, really good. The letters are tough. I mean, Richard earned his money because they did the entire book. And so it was a little off-putting and it took a little while to get used to. So like normally when you do an adaptation, right? You don't, you cut the dialogue or excuse me, you keep the dialogue, but you cut the narration or you keep the narration and you cut the dialogue. You don't do both, especially when it's a comic book adaptation, right? So it's like, if you're gonna do, like Marvel Comics has done um, some, and I know it's Indie Comics Spotlight, but we're gonna talk about this for a second. They've done three of Jane Austen's novels as adaptations and they're delightful and fun and I really like them. But of course, it's not the full novel. It's an adaptation, just like a film adaptation of a Jane Austen book or the film adaptation of Do Andrews Dream of Electric Sheep gave us Blade Runner. They're not the same. They're not really remotely the same. Um, Deckard is, is a, quite a different character, I think, in the Blade Runner universe movies than he is in the books. Um, Although, you know, I, in the book, I should say, and then in this graphic novel, but I feel like that's okay. I'm okay. You know, when I was younger, I was always like, oh, the book is always better than the movie. And let's be fair, 99% of the time, the book is always better than the movie. But Die Hard is better than the book. The commitments, the movie is better than the commitments to the book. It happens sometimes. Sometimes Fight Club, right? I mean, the Fight Club, the book is really good, but the movie just knew what to trim. And I'm, I'm hard pressed to say that Blade Runner, the original Blade Runner, is better than Androids Do Dream of Electric Sheep, but, but it's 
because they're so completely different. It's not like those other ones where it's like, we're gonna take this, we're gonna put it up there, we're gonna see what we can do. The, the um, you know how people knock Snyder's Watchmen because it's like, oh, I mean, granted he changed the ending a little, a lot, okay? But it's like he took exact panels from the comic and he put them on screen and people found that boring. But then when people do a comic book adaptation onto the big screen and then they don't do it exactly, people are mad. You know how people just get mad about everything? People love to hate things. And to be fair, I hate things. There's things that drive me crazy. Mm-mm. But I don't love to hate them. I don't want to hate them, you know? I just feel like I want to love things. I want things to be awesome. Um, and this is one of those times where... Um, I love this. I love what they did here. I love the adaptation. I love the courage that it took to take the entire book and plop it down there and mess with mess with the readers' heads, mess with their expectations. I texted Julian about this when I was reading it. I was like, have you ever read this? And he wrote back and he said the same thing. And this is what finally it was like, okay, I'm just going to do the show on it. Um, probably should have reached out to him and had him on this show with me. That would have been it. That would have been the thing to do. Uh, but here I am recording by myself at 10 o'clock at night. So sorry, Dr. D, um, should have had you on. Maybe we'll do an extendo dance mix version of this because I'm, you know, keeping this pretty tight, 20 minutes or less, where you and I could probably spend three hours talking about this book. So what they did, though, what Parker did as an artist in, and what um, Boom Studios decided to do, as I said, is put the entire book together. And so there'd be times where... Again, in a normal adaptation, you would cut some things, but they don't do that. So you would be like, so for example, just on page one, uh, it says, a merry little surge of electricity piped automatic alarm from the mood organ beside his bed, awakened Rick Deckard. Surprised, it always surprised him to find himself awake without without prior notice. He rose from the bed, stood up in his multicolored pajamas and stretched. Now in her bed, his wife, Iran, opened her gray, unmerry eyes, blinked and groaned and shut her eyes again. Now, in a normal world, like that's amazing. I mean, Philip K. Dick, come on. He didn't always, not everything is this colorful when he writes. And you can tell, like Man in the Hot Castle, which I love, is an unfinished book. And you can tell, but he writes sentences like that sometimes, right? Just amazing. So anyway, that's all described. So you don't need you can just show it. You can show his multicolored pajamas. You can see Aran doing that. You can see Deckard waking up. And the artist, Tony Parker, who's amazing, can, can do all that. And Blonde can color it. But instead, they put the whole thing there. And then we cut to the dialogue. You set your pen field too weak. I'll reset it. Wake up and keep your hand off my settings. Her voice was bitter sharpness. I don't want to be awake. He seated himself beside her and bent over her and explained softly. So like, that you don't see all of those descriptions, right? You read the descriptions, and then what Parker can do is pick and choose what he wants to show. So it is such a bold, crazy thing, because if it were a regular adaptation, all of that description stuff would be gone, and there'd be more panels. But all of that is only three panels on this page. So the top panel on page one, this is all just page one everybody. The top panel of page one is just, you know, Deckard sitting next to Iran and then the two of them talking and the rest of the dialogue is there. But all that description in the top left, it's black. The the panel's black. The top left, yellow, yellow narration box with those meeting letters from starting. It's unreal. It's such a cool concept and it takes a little getting used to. And so I see some of the hate for this book is it's that. Right. It's like, if I wanted to read the novel, I'd read the novel. But you are reading the novel. 
It's like a throwback to an old school graphic novel. And it was bold and it was amazing and it was beautiful and the colors pop. And I just think it's so cool. Now, of course, now we see what we think Deckard looks like and we see what Aran looks like. and We see later what Rachel looks like and we see, you know, what Pris looks like because, you know, this is an artist Parker's rendition of what those folks looks like. So that could be off-putting because in your mind, Deckard looks like this or in your mind, because you saw the movie first, Deckard looks like Harrison Ford and Rachel looks like Shine Young and Pris looks like Daryl Hannah, whatever. It's fine. And they don't look like that in the comic, obviously, because that's not what this artist thinks they look like. And I mean, that was really intentional. First, you don't want to pay those actors for their likeness, but also you're not doing an adaptation of Blade Runner. Blade Runner is an adaptation of this novel. And it's such a conversation piece. It's like such a companion to this novel. So it's so really clever and thoughtful. And what it does is I think for people who find the book and or the movie uh, a bit of a drag, in some places it is, but that's Philip K. Dick. He wants you to sit and think of stuff like he's a philosopher hiding as a science fiction writer, right? So, but what he's doing is he's giving the reader this this way, Parker, and, and is giving the reader this way to sit with it, is to like be like, yeah, we get it. Sometimes Philip K. Dick is a drag, and sometimes he's a little long-winded. And we're going to make you read every word he writes. Every fucking word he writes is in this book is in this comic book. That's why it took them two years and it's 24 issues and it's put together in this massive omnibus. That's what it took to get it all in there. And sometimes it's a little Claremonty, right? Where it's like, we got to cram all these words on here. But the difference between what this book is and what those X-Men did, those Claremont X-Men, is that Claremont knew he was writing a comic book and he still couldn't get out of his own way. But that's like a very much show don't tell, Chris. This is like, no, no, we're just showing you. We're showing you how we could bring something to life and give you our perspective. This is like the greatest love letter to Leander's Dream of Electric Sheep. And it is an amazing adaptation because it still is the artist's rendering. And I don't know how it is for you. So the thing I love about this the most is that when I read... Um, I see things like whether I'm listening to my book or I'm reading. Obviously, when I read comic books, part of why I love to read comic books is because the visuals are there for me. But even when I'm not reading a comic book, I see it. I see things. Even I'm just weird that way. Like even when I'm listening to podcasts, like I'm imagining them talking. So like when it's people I know, when it's people I don't know, I don't know what they look like. But I still imagine them sitting there talking to each other. Like I imagine them in little Zoom boxes or sitting in their home office or whatever it is and, and I don't and maybe you don't do that maybe you're just listening to me and you're like get to the point dude but I'm sitting in my chair in my office it's hot as fuck here and uh we're under heat warning as is most of the America because um most of the world probably because climate change is real and so when I'm sitting here I've got my water I've got my headphones on I've got my iPads I'm reading this digitally it's all here in front of me and it's this you know I'm cozy my fan is going that's the image and then I'm sitting here and I'm talking and I'm watching my voice on audacity that's what it looks like to me so now you can envision what it's like so that's what I do when I listen to podcasts I imagine the people when they're conversing with each other if they're talking to themselves when Mike does Star Wars the Star Wars ones or Matt Lloyd does, does the ones where he's talking to himself I imagine like where are they what are they looking at what are they doing and I know Mike takes copious notes and I know Matt Lloyd takes copious notes so I know they're looking down at their notes and I imagine them doing that and I know it's just a crazy thing but I am that's just how my brain is I'm an audio learner, but I have a very visual sense. And so when I read Duandro's Room of Electric Sheep for the first time, now, to be fair, I saw Blade Runner in the theater when it came out. I was much too young to see it. Um, but I did because 
that's how it was for Gen X kids. We just saw shit. Our parents were like, yeah, go see that. It didn't matter. In the theater, even. Um, so I didn't know it was a book. I saw the movie first. And so then later, you know, when I was in middle school, uh, early high, late middle school, early high school, when I first read Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep, and I was like, holy shit. And it was a totally different thing. And I visualized it. But over the years, as I've aged and I've matured and I've been able to read the book in a different way, those characters have morphed. I no longer see Daryl Hannah. I no longer see Rucker Howard in the book. I see different characters. But of course, the first time, because I associate with them, that's what you see. And so this is a way to dissociate too. It's a way for the Philip K for the Dick family to be like, okay, we want we want this book to still exist. And it says, you know, the inspiration for Blade Runner, it's right on there. But this is saying this is what inspired it. This is how other people see it. Before there was Blade Runner, before there was Harrison Ford as Deckard, before there was Daryl Hannah as Pris. This is how it was envisioned. This is how people could have envisioned it. This is a, another way to see this book and to have it come to life in our heads because literature matters. Books matter. Art matters. They give us imagination. They make us think. And I love movies. We all do. We like to sit and watch them and let the story happen to us. But, you know, my favorite movies are the ones that leave me sitting with them for a while, that sit with me for a long time, even if, like, nothing happens. Like, you know, the Before Trilogy is my favorite trilogy of all time and nothing happens but those movies sit with me i think about what they're saying i think about their conflicts i think about the acting which is superb i just really sit and think about it and those movies are really great and i like i like a way homer i like to sit with it now i like good fun like like anybody i love the sharknado movies you know we like the superhero movies we like those things i mean i love the sharknado movies and most people don't uh jack and i are getting ready to do death race for the state. I fucking love the original Death Race 2000. I love the remake of Death Race. I like the Death Race 2050. Death Race. I'm here for it. And it is just mindless good fun. But there's always something there. There's still a layer there. I'll save my powder for that. So I like that. But I, you know, I, I want to just have mindless good fun. I want to just watch the original Blade Runner. But that isn't just mindless good fun, right? There's, there's something. You're supposed to take something with that, right? Scott wants you to take something with you from that film, right? There's That isn't supposed to be good fun. It's uncomfortable in a lot of places and it's slow and we're forced to look at things and stare at an eye and watch a face and do all those things and be mad that we don't have the thing that just says enhance, enhance over and over. Don't we all wish we had that? So like we're zooming it in by hand. All that's cool. It's cool as fuck, but it's not the way that it was done by Dick. It's not the way that it was originally done, but there was a way. Somebody thought, thought that up, and that's how the movie got made, right? Somebody at one point in time storyboarded Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep, and it became Blade Runner. And this is just another possible future, which is super cool. It's another way to see literature. And I'm just so thrilled that Boom Studios is doing stuff like this. You know, and again, I write adaptations, right? You know, my, my Austin Chronicles are me adapting the Austin novels. But I'm doing that in a modern setting. So I'm taking things, I'm cutting things, I'm adding things. All these different things are happening. Um, that's that's you know that are there or not there, and, and you you choose what to cut, you choose what to keep, and that's what an adaptation is. And so it's not the same. It's not a one for one. But I would love for Boom Studios to do a one for one, Pride and Prejudice, which I just recently reread. Um, and you know because when you when you think of Pride and Prejudice, the Joe Wright one is the one everybody thinks of because it is really such a great adaptation. But so much is cut from that, and even that miniseries, the Colin Firth jumping in a pond one, which isn't exactly like people think because it's longer, it's more one to one, but it isn't. There's no jumping in the pond, everybody. Sorry, I know 
you know, sexy Colin Firth is a thing everybody loves, but that isn't a thing that actually happens in the book. I would love a one for one. I would love to have Jane Snarky narrator talking over a comic page. I'm here for that. I'm putting it out there. Boom Studios, go for it. There's no copyright. You can do it. Make it happen. I want to see them do it with all of these classic books. And I think it's like that middle ground between a film adaptation and the old timey classics illustrated, which I love the classics illustrated books. Those are a lot of fun, but those are of course always net. Those are always truncated for the comic book medium. And this was like, no, no, hold my beer. We're not truncating shit. We're going to show it all to you, but we're going to give you this amazing artist interpretation. We're going to give you an amazing colorist. We're going to give you an amazing letterer and we're going to make it pop and we're going to make you sit and think and visualize. And maybe this isn't your mind. Maybe this isn't what Deckard looks like to you. Maybe this isn't what Rachel looks like to you, but this is what they look like to us. And so now you can have a different conversation. And then that gives you another conversation with Scott's film, gives you another conversation with Dick's original novel, with any of the other adaptations with the new Blade Runner stuff. I think it's Titan Comics who are doing the Blade Runner series, um, which are excellent. I like Blade Runner 2019 was very good. I thought that was an excellent book. I think those those Titan comics are really good. Um, But again, you're in conversation with those things, too. Uh, So it's just an excellent way to do art and to do literature. So I cannot recommend it enough. Of course, it's available on the unofficial sponsor, Indie Comics Spotlight. So please go out there and pick up Do Android's Dream of Electric Sheep written by Philip K. Dick. He's the writer because it's his whole thing, right? It's his whole thing. It's so cool. Tony Parker, blonde, go pick it up. I mean, seriously, it'll change your life. And then reach out to me and say, oh, I thought that sucked. Or, oh, I thought that was awesome. Or, oh, I would love for you to have Julian on and you guys spend more than you just rambling for 20 minutes talking about it. I'll do it. I'll do this one again. I'll do it with the guests. I'm here for that. So um, listen, things are up. Things are changing, coming soon. Heath is coming back on. We're going to finish up Sin City. Jack's coming back. And we're going to start our um, Phillips and Brewbreaker series. We're going to start with Criminal. That's coming. I've got um, some other guests lined up. I'm in talks with Allison, maybe, to come on and do uh, Beauty, which is this amazing uh, comic from 2016, where um, there's a sexually transmitted disease that makes people beautiful. Amazing. Um, It's you know, I got big things. I got things. I've got an interview with a writer coming up in August. Blake's coming back. So it's going to be super big fun. It's going to be a big summer and leading into a big fall. Uh, but I, you know, these show, solo shows are still going to keep popping up here and again, because again, sometimes I've got thoughts and you just need to now visualize what I'm doing while I'm talking. So thanks everybody for listening. You know, I feel like the only thing we can actually listen to, and I know it's from Blade Runner, but um, Vangelis is, uh soundtrack was super boss for that so maybe we'll play a little bit of angelus from the original blade runner film while we all think about reading do androids of electric sheep that comic book so thanks everybody for listening and i'll see you soon